They say six is the devil's number. But here in Sacramento, we're singing the king's praises after six straight wins. The dynamic duo that you thought you'd be talking about in Dallas has been replaced by De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis after the Kings' 129-113 victory, which we're breaking down right here for you on Locked on Kings. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked on Kings. Hello and welcome into Locked on Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all season long. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the number one way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use code all lowercase locked on NBA for our first deposit match up to $100. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports anchor and reporter for ABC 10 News. And Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic came into tonight's game as the number two scoring duo in the league to this point. The Dallas Mavericks have been a really fun story to start this season, especially after missing the playoffs last year, our first full season, or it's going to be the first full season of Kyrie and Luka together. And the Mavericks have been a surprise to many people. Well, the Sacramento Kings came into Dallas tonight and said, hey, we're enjoying your great start. Congratulations on, 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 on getting to this point. Now step aside, because we were a playoff team last year in a top three seed in the Western Conference, and we have our eyes on a deep playoff run and seed number two or even seed number one. There is not a team in the NBA playing better basketball than the Sacramento Kings right now, and a lot of it has to do with the Kings dynamic duo, DeMondis Sabonis, who had 32 points, 13 of 15 from the field tonight, 13 rebounds and six assists, and of course, De'Aaron Fox, 30 points, 10 of 20 from the field, 6 of 10 from three-point range, 7 assists, 4 rebounds, and 3 steals. We're going to break down these two guys specifically here in just a minute. And I know there are going to be some people that are looking at tonight's game and looking at the Kings beating the Mavericks and and, and how the, the second half went, really the end of the third quarter, and then the Kings dominated from that point on through the rest of the game. And people are going to say, look, the Mavericks on the second night of a back-to-back, excuse here, excuse there. I understand that. And it did look like the Mavericks ran out of gas a little bit. I have no problem admitting that. But a win is a win regardless of the circumstance, and the Kings are going to have to face nights where they're the second team. Uh, or they're the team on a second night of a back-to-back. They're going to face that literally tomorrow night when they take on the New Orleans Pelicans. It'll be their first back-to-back of the season. So everybody gets it. You can use it as an excuse if you want to. I don't think the Dallas Mavericks are going to be using it as an excuse because they were hanging with the Sacramento Kings for much of this game. Their offense went ice cold as Sacramento's exploded. The Kings went on a big run, knocking down three or four straight three-pointers to end the third quarter. And from that point on, it was all Sacramento Kings. All five Kings starters finished in double figures. And you can add a sixth in there with Malik Monk adding 12 points off of the bench. This is a complete team victory tonight for Sacramento. And they did it without their starting shooting guard, Kevin Herter, out with a uh, a sprained finger. Now, the good news is it's on his non-shooting hand. So hopefully he'll be able to come back from that sooner than later. And it shouldn't have any lingering long-term effects on on his jumper. Because as we saw 
uh, before he went down with this injury. He's been on a tear as of late, and he's worked his way through the shooting slump. We'll talk about uh, Kevin Herter a little bit more, and, and more specifically, we'll talk about Chris Duarte, who got the start in place of Kevin Herter and did a really, really good job on both ends of the floor. We'll get into that later on in the show. But I'm going to rattle off just some numbers from tonight's game just to show you really how dominant Sacramento was in this win. They shot 53% from the field, 42% from three-point range, 76% from the free-throw line. They went 17 of 40 from three-point range. This is very similar to the win against the Los Angeles Lakers when I said the Kings shot the ball well, and it's repeatable. Like maybe 42% from three-point range, that's close to the cap of their team average, right? They're probably more than likely going to be in the, the, the mid to high 30s. On nights like tonight where they're knocking down 42% of their three-point shots, they absolutely should be winning. But what I appreciate about this is even though Sacramento was shooting so well from three-point range, they only took 43s, which is on the lower end for the three-point numbers, uh, or rather attempt numbers, that they've put up this season. Sacramento has been chucking up close to 53s a night. Tonight, they only needed 40 because they were doing a really good job getting to the basket. It was clear that part of the Kings' game plan was to get inside, get in the paint, uh, and, and take advantage of the size advantage that they had over the Dallas Mavericks. They did just that. They had uh, they outscored the Mavericks 58-46 to 46 in the paint. They out-rebounded uh, the Dallas Mavericks 48-40. to 40. They were had a 22-6 to 6 advantage in second chance points. They moved the ball really well, which is Kings basketball to a T, 34 assists to just 12 turnovers. And then defensively, it wasn't the greatest of games. It was a high-scoring game until really the, the, the fourth quarter where the Kings held Dallas to 17 points. Now, we could credit the Kings' defense for that. We could, credit, uh, we could talk about the second night of a back-to-back -back and the Mavericks running out of gas a little bit. I also think the Mavericks kind of had the wind, wind completely taken out of their sails with how the third quarter ended. Sacramento, another fourth quarter, with a good defensive metric, another fourth quarter where that was the lowest scoring quarter that their opponents had. It's the second game in a row, might be the third game in a row, actually, uh, that the Kings have done that. All right, let's talk about this dynamic duo. And I'm actually starting with DeMontis Sabonis. Normally, I start with De'Aaron Fox, because how could you not, right? De'Aaron Fox is the superstar, and he's playing like an absolute MVP this season. If you missed my rant about that, uh, plus how the national media or experts are are, are, are looking at and undermining DeMontis Sabonis, feel free to go back to my most recent episode of the Locked on Kings podcast, uh, which was after the Kings win against the San Antonio Spurs, and you can hear my rants on that. I don't necessarily need to rehash it, but I am going to start with DeMontis Sabonis, and I'm not just going to talk about the 32-point night that he had tonight. We're going to look at the numbers. The numbers for Sabonis during this six-game win streak that the Sacramento Kings on are on is awesome. And there's one key takeaway from this. There are a bunch of things that you can take away and be excited about, but there's one thing specifically that I think needs to be pointed out. But let's go through these numbers first and foremost, okay? The first game of this win streak was Sacramento's win against the Portland Trailblazers. De'Aaron Fox did not play in that game. In that game, Sabonis had 27 points, shot 78% from the field, had 11 rebounds and 9 assists. The next game, 17 points, 46% from the field, 13 rebounds, 13 assists. The following game, 23 points, 80% from the field, 9 rebounds, 10 assists. 29 points, 68% from the field, 16 rebounds, 7 assists. 27 points, 69% from the field, 14 rebounds, 7 assists. And then tonight, 32 points, 86% from the field, 13 rebounds, 
six assists. One of the key takeaways there is to look at shooting percentages. 78%, 46%, 80%, 68%, 69%, 86%. Demonis Sabonis is not only scoring a boatload of points right now, he is shooting incredibly efficient. Like His scoring, of course, around the rim and in the paint uh, is close to second to none with anybody else in the league right now. He's even stepping out from time to time from three-point range. He didn't shoot or knock down any three-point shots, I believe, tonight. I don't have the box score in front of me. Um, but he had a couple threes uh, the other night uh, against San Antonio. I believe he had a, a three or two against the Los Angeles Lakers as well. Like, it's not just Sabonis is doing all his scoring around the rim, so you would expect him to naturally have a high shooting percentage just because he's all, all he's scoring is bunnies at the rim. Like, Domas has taken mid-range jumpers as well. Either way, he's scoring a lot of points, and he's doing it efficiently. He's taking good shots, and he is if, if he's putting the shot up, a vast majority of the time, it is going in. So that shooting efficiency is really encouraging. But to me, the major takeaway that I had from this is that when De'Aaron Fox returned, there was no drop-off. The two games of this six-game win streak before Fox returned, he had 27 points and then 17 points. That was the Oklahoma City Thunder win where a lot of players on the Kings struggled. Now, in that game, he had a triple-double, so we can live with 17 points a little bit more, right? But since Fox has come back, 23 points, 29 points, 27 points, 32 points. It's not like Domas is taking a back seat, right? Some people have complained like Domas is too passive at times. We want to see Domas being too aggressive or, or rather more aggressive. One of the criticisms of Demontis Sabonis, and it's, it's a weird criticism, but it's like sometimes he's too passive, right? Domas wants to get his teammates involved. That is where he is at his absolute best is running the DHO game, trying to feed his opponents, or rather trying to, to, to feed uh, his teammates, set them, uh, set them up for success. Like that is what Domas wants to do. That is where he is at his absolute best. That is his first instinct is to look for others before looking for himself, which is the sign, of course, of a great teammate. And sometimes we're like, Domas, attack. Like you're a bull, attack. Use your strength, get to the rim, shoot, score. We know you're capable of it. Well, here he is during this win streak. The Aaron Fox is going off. Right, Fox is averaging over 30 points per game. He's leading the league in scoring. And in these last four games, DeMontis Sabonis, again, 23 points, 29 points, 27 points, 32 points. Domas has been in attack mode through this entire stretch. And here is a number that absolutely just blows my mind. This is from Will Z, Will Z Stats. Domas has had 88 double-doubles in his 106 career games as a Sacramento King. In 83% of the games that DeMontis Sabonis has played for the Kings, he's finished with a double-double. Again, I don't understand any argument on the planet that suggests that DeMontis Sabonis is not a winning caliber center. That suggests that DeMontis Sabonis did not deserve to be an All-NBA center last year. And that suggests that the Sacramento Kings can't be a successful winning team and make a deep playoff run without him. Again, I ranted about that after the San Antonio game. Don't need to rehash it tonight. All I'm saying is Domas continues to prove these people wrong. I don't know if they're watching or not. My guess is probably not, unless the Kings are playing the Lakers or playing one of the marquee teams. Maybe they were kind of paying attention because of Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks tonight. I have no idea. I don't really care at this point. Because they can work as hard as they want to to find 
spins or what's going to piss me off is the, the, the second that Demondis Sabonis has a bad game or has a rough game, they're going to all come lurking out of the bushes and lurking out from their, their, their attics and their little hidey holes to say, oh, Sabonis is not that good of a player. Man, man, here, here's a key example of Sabonis disappearing in a big game or look at Sabonis' struggles, blah, blah, blah. For these people, like, it, 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 it's not a two-way street. So whatever. They will never be satisfied with Demondis Sabonis. That's absolutely fine. The Sacramento Kings will continue to win basketball games. And Domas will continue to dominate. And he doesn't have to take opportunities away from his star in De'Aaron Fox. He can continue to be the Robin to Fox's Batman. And arguably the most important player on this Kings team. And get his numbers and get his points without stepping on anybody else's toes. That's why, that's another key reason why the Sacramento Kings are such a dominant team. Still have to talk about De'Aaron Fox, which of course I will get to in a second. But right now, like I said at the beginning of the show... Today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by PrizePix. Now, what is PrizePix? PrizePix is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. And the best part about PrizePix, what I love the most, it's just you versus the PrizePix projected numbers. You're not taking on any other person, right? You're not taking on uh, those fellow hobbyists like yourself who might just get lucky and beat you. You're not taking on those sharks and those uh, those juggernauts out there and those pros that literally make a living off of something that's supposed to be fun, supposed to be a, a hobby. You don't have to worry about them. All you do is pick more or less on two to six players than the prize picks projection stats for that night. For example, you could bet on or, or you could choose like more on De'Aaron Fox, let's say against uh, the, the, the Pelicans tomorrow, De'Aaron Fox's points number is at 26 and a half. You pick more on that. You pick more on Demonis Sabonis, 11 and a half rebounds. And then you pick uh, less on Keegan Murray for one and a half turnovers, right? You hit on all three of those. Boom, you're winning money. Prize picks is so much fun. There's so many different ways to play. Plus, one of my favorite ways to play is go to the combination points, rebounds, assists. You're going to see high numbers for guys like Sabonis and De'Aaron Fox. That's okay. Take those because you'll be, uh, or you won't be surprised really how quickly they reach that like 41, 42 total with combined points, rebounds, and assists, especially for a guy like Domas who uh, fills up the stat sheet the way he does. So many Sacramento Kings media members play prize picks. It's one fun way that we uh, we bond and, and connect before the game and try and find the best uh, prize picks lines out there. And you can absolutely do the same. Go to PrizePix right now if you're interested in starting. You can go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. PrizePix is daily fantasy sports made easy. Can't believe I'm waiting till the second segment to talk about De'Aaron Fox, but here we go. Fox, 30 points tonight. I mean, at that point, it's not even surprising because Fox has only had one game this season with less than 20 eight points. Do you remember which game that was? That was the first game of the season when the Kings beat the Utah Jazz. Fox had just 18 points in that game. Now he didn't need to go off because that was the night that Harrison Barnes couldn't miss water if he fell out of a boat. Wait, that doesn't make sense. Usually the saying is couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat. Harrison Barnes wasn't missing. You get my point, okay? This is why I don't try and get creative with my, uh, my, my terms because I end up looking like an idiot. Fox... In four of the seven games that Fox has played, he scored 30 or more points. Like, the man is absolutely unbelievable right now. And 
in addition to the scoring, like his, his scoring numbers are a career high by a long shot, like we said, at the top of the NBA right now, MVP caliber numbers with his scoring. But what I love is that Fox hasn't stepped back from his distribution and getting his teammates involved. It's not, it's not like De'Aaron Fox is going full, give me the ball and get the hell out of my way at all times. He scored 30 or more points in four games, including an over 40-point performance while still distributing without having to take 30 to 35 shots in order to get there, without having to say, everybody fall in line behind me, I am your leader. Like Fox, is, he's only had one game with four assists or fewer, just one. Everything else has been higher than four assists. That's pretty incredible. And we, talk, we need to talk about his three-point shooting. Like I, I don't know what his three-point shooting rating is in NBA 2K. I can already tell that it's too low. Like the man is a three-point threat now, a bona fide three-point threat. Six three-pointers tonight. He's shooting 41.7% this season, but that's not the coolest number. 41.7% from three-point range, and he's averaging 8.6 attempts per game. You typically don't see guys putting up seven, eight three-point attempts per game unless they are established three-point shooters. That's what De'Aaron Fox has become. And compare that to his career averages, right? This is every single season in Fox's career until this year. Fox is a 32% three-point shooter on average, taking 3.8 attempts per game. So it's not just that his shooting percentage has skyrocketed astronomically, but he's still only taking a handful of threes here or there. So he's just making a higher percent because he's making more of his smaller volume of threes. No, Fox's percentage is skyrocketing while his attempts are skyrocketing. He's shooting so many threes because one, he knows he's capable of hitting so many threes and his confidence in them is through the roof right now. And rightfully so, he's knocking them down. He's knocking them down off the pull-up. He's knocking them down off the step back. He's catching and shooting in transition. De'Aaron Fox is a three-point threat that teams don't know what to do with because nobody knows what to do to stop De'Aaron Fox when he's scoring from the perimeter. He's literally unguardable. You have to either step out on him and try and deny and take away that three to which he uses the fastest speed in the NBA to blow right by you, that burst ability that only he has, or... You sag off and back off because you don't want him to blow by you and get to the rim. And then he just pulls up and drains a three right in your face. That is what De'Aaron Fox does. There is nothing anybody can do to stop this man right now. Now, I don't think he's going to shoot 41.7% from three-point range on the season. If he does, he's absolutely the freaking MVP. And if he does, then the Sacramento Kings are probably winning 50 mid-50s games this season. I'm, I'm not even kidding you. That's not even an exaggeration. If De'Aaron Fox continues to shoot that well from three-point range, that means he's probably averaging over 30 points per game for the entire season, and the Sacramento Kings are damn near winning every single game they play. Not an exaggeration. He's unstoppable, especially when he's hitting this many threes. I expect him to cool off to some extent. I expect that to come back down to earth a little bit into the mid to high 30s. But even so, mid to high 30s, three-point shooting De'Aaron Fox with the threat that he is on all other, uh, all other aspects of the game, good freaking luck. Good freaking luck is all I had to say. And it's, it's nice to see Fox step up as a three-point shooter. It's nice to see the Sacramento Kings 
still have a solid three-point shooting night as a team, a really good three-point shooting night as a team, when they were missing arguably their best shooter in Kevin Herter. Like I mentioned earlier, uh, out with a, uh, a sprained finger that he suffered uh, in the uh, San Antonio Spurs game. I think they should have replay, and, and I think on defense he just clipped it uh, on a cutter that was trying to work his way past. So as far as we're informed and as far as we're told, it's nothing major, nothing too serious. The Kings are being more precautionary than anything else. No word yet on if he's going to play tomorrow against the New Orleans Pelicans or not. My guess is he probably won't, but who knows? I'm certainly not a doctor, and we haven't gotten any update from the Kings and their training staff. So my guess is he's not going to play. And it was great to see Chris Duarte step up for Sacramento the way that he did. Now, I thought Duarte was the absolute right choice to start at the two-guard spot. I saw a few Kings fans that were like, again, why not Malik Monk? And especially with De'Aaron Fox being back, we know how valuable Malik is to the second unit and how important of a, of a six-man, almost super sub that he is with the energy that he brings uh, for Mike Brown. So I'm absolutely okay with, with Duarte starting at the shooting guard spot over Malik Monk tonight. What I was concerned about was while Duarte has done a really, really good job playing with the physicality on the defensive end that Mike Brown is wanting and, and clearly playing with that effort and that that fighting over screens and, and being physical against ball handlers and, and making them feel you. Duarte has been kind of a foul machine this season to this point. That's been the biggest criticism that I can come up with for him. Well, tonight he did have three fouls, but did a significantly better job staying out of foul trouble. And everywhere else, he was really, really good. 13 points, five of eight from the field. Three of four from three-point range. If you're getting that kind of impact from Duarte on the defensive end of the floor, and he's knocking down threes as well, like that's that three and D type player that the Kings were hopeful they were getting in the trade with the Indiana Pacers over this offseason. Three for four from three-point range. Also had eight rebounds, four assists, and two steals. You talk about making the most out of your opportunity. Chris Duarte stepped into his starting spot and said, okay, I don't have to necessarily take over this game to draw everybody's attention. I'm going to knock down some shots. I'm going to play the defense that I know I'm capable of playing, the defense that has Mike Brown believing in me in the first place. And then one of the key thing, one, one of the key factors in replacing Kevin Herter to me was not just the three-point shooting that he provides, but Kevin has done an excellent job with his, his effort on the defensive end and his effort attacking the glass. Well, here you have Chris Duarte grab eight rebounds in this win tonight. Chris Duarte did everything you could possibly ask from him, filling in for your starting shooting guard tonight. Loved what I saw out of Chris, and he deserves a ton of praise. I do want to talk about Harrison Barnes. I want to give him some praise, too. Also have to give some praise to, uh, to Davion Mitchell, who got in and, and played in tonight's game. I'll get to that here in just a little bit. I do want to talk about Luka Doncic really quick. There's no point in me coming on the Locked on Kings podcast and continuing to complain about the amount of complaining that Luka Doncic does with the referees. We know this is just who he is at this point. But I'll be completely honest with you. And, and not trying to sound like sour grapes or anything like that because I acknowledge Luka Doncic as an absolute future Hall of Famer. He's an incredible player. Hit some ridiculous shots tonight just doing what he does. Like Luka Doncic is unbelievable, right? Luka Doncic is in the top three for me of least favorite players to watch in the league. And every time the Sacramento Kings and Dallas Mavericks play each other, I get a headache. Some of it is because of the basketball that both teams play, and it gets a little ugly and gets a little sloppy at times. A lot of it is just watching Luka. My least favorite player to watch in the league is James Harden. I've never hidden that. I hate how James Harden plays. 
He's become even more of an issue off the floor. But even when James Harden was in his MVP uh, days, right? Just foul baiting and step back threes. And just, I, I've never been interested in watching James Harden. To me, Luka Doncic is very close to James Harden. And the constant whining and complaining with officials. And, and actually, the funniest part of the game for me, truthfully, was, first off, the officiating in this game was unbelievably inconsistent. In the first half, it was like everything... If you breathe on a guy, it's a foul. And there were way too many fouls in the first quarter. The first quarter felt like it took an eternity. And then suddenly in the second and third quarters, they started to let them play a little bit, which I appreciated. But at one point in this game, Malik Monk was subbed out and had something to say to the official on his way out of the game and picked up a technical foul. Meanwhile, Luka Doncic just, I guess, can talk to the official the entire game and, and not get a tech. Whatever. I'm not going to pretend to be an NBA official. You would think that during my pregame meeting with teams that I would go up to Luca, pull him aside and say, hey, like, I'm just, we just don't want to deal with it. And maybe there have been conversations before where Luca says, look, like, this is just who I am. This is just how I play. I don't mean it personally, but this is just kind of the way that I am. And there's an understanding between both parties as to why Luca is just allowed to do it or that it continues and it's who he, I don't know. I don't want to necessarily complain about Luka Doncic. I don't like when the Sacramento Kings play him for two reasons. One, because I don't think he's fun to watch. Two, because he can kill the Kings or kill anybody at any given time when he gets hot, right? We've seen Luka Doncic and the Luka magic that he can put up. But sometimes I feel bad for Dallas Mavericks fans. Again, amazing player. Also with Kyrie, like that team is good. The Dallas Mavericks fan base is an awesome fan base. Sometimes I'm glad that... The Kings didn't draft him, even if it was the absolute wrong decision to take Marvin Bagley over Luka, right? We can all admit that with a smile on our face at this point in time. Maybe some of you can't smile about it. Maybe it still hurts. Sometimes I'm glad that I just don't have to watch Luka on a daily basis. Because when I watch him, there's some, oh, oh man, those are amazing. But most of the time, it's just, oh God. That's how I feel watching Luka Doncic play basketball. Now that I've pissed off any of the Dallas Mavericks fans listening to the show, today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by FanDuel. And I'm not talking about Mavericks fans and Kings fans going to war over their Luka Doncic opinions. I'm talking about the number one uh, sports book in America. And FanDuel right now has a great deal for new customers. You can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. So you sign up and find a game that has just the biggest favorite you can find. Put $5 down. When that team wins like they're supposed to, you get $150 in bonus bets that you can then continue to have fun on FanDuel, betting on all sorts of things like spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. You can bet on everything in the NBA from specifics with players, in-game to full season. Of course, full season win totals, NBA championship odds. You can even bet on the NBA in-season tournament. There's so much fun that you can have on FanDuel. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action than right now. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Kick off the NFL season and the NBA season the right way. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. After the Los Angeles Lakers win, I talked about a different perspective on Harrison Barnes. And that perspective is like, if the Kings are going to be as dynamic of an offense that we know they're capable of, and if Harrison Barnes is going to be the fifth option in that starting lineup that is filled with guys who can light it up, naturally, Barnes's role is going to be to, to be a little more passive, to take a step back. 
Now, that does not excuse the games where he completely disappears altogether. And it certainly doesn't excuse the games where he plays 20 to 30 minutes and only has one or two rebounds or one or two assists. Like, you need more from Harrison Barnes in games like that. Absolutely no ifs, ands, or buts about it. But a, a night like tonight where... I mean, the stat line that the Kings got from Harrison Barnes tonight is, is close to perfect for me for what you want and what you can expect out of 40, right? 12 points tonight, 4 of 11 shooting from the field, did have a rough night. I think it went 1 of 7 from three-point range, so not the best there, but also 4 rebounds, 6 assists. He scored a little bit more. The Kings needed him to, to pick up the scoring a little bit, of course, with Kevin uh, Herter being out. Had a really, really strong first half, was attacking the basket, doing a good job. Uh, drawing the, the defense in and then uh, distributing uh, some of his assists and finding the open man again. Six assists tonight for Harrison Barnes. I'll take that number every day of the week. Like these are stat lines that a lot of people look at and just go ho-hum, 12 points, four rebounds, six assists. Hey, hey, nice game, Harrison. I think these are stat lines that we need to celebrate a little bit more when we get from Harrison Barnes because this is exactly what you want from HB. If that, if that right there was what I was getting the majority of the time Harrison was playing, as the starting five, I am, I'm, I'm good. I'm fine. Could the Kings still upgrade that? And may they still need to upgrade that in order to win a championship? Maybe. I don't know. But if that's what Harrison Barnes is giving me as the fifth option, hey, I am very, very happy uh, with that. Also want to talk about Davion Mitchell really quick. He, until tonight, had three straight games where he did not play coach's decision. Not because he's hurt or anything like that. Coach benched him. He's benched him for Keon Ellis and Chris Duarte, and that move has been working. The Kings haven't lost since Mike Brown has made that move. Well, Davion subbed in, I think, in the third quarter. First time he's played in, what, a couple weeks or close to a couple weeks at this point. Very first possession, gets ISOed by Kyrie Irving and plays incredibly aggressive on-ball defense, forces Kyrie into a really tough step step back mid-range jumper at the top of the key which he rims out like I was I was I was very happy to see that from Davion hey come in even if you're playing pissed off whatever your motivation is what I don't care you have an opportunity you come in and he established himself immediately with what he does best which is on the defensive end of the floor he gave his all for that possession that was great to see compared to can you imagine if Davion Mitchell came into the game and got one-on-one -on -one with Kyrie and just kind of gave a half-assed effort and just kind of like he was pouty and like, I've, I've barely been playing. Oh, now I'm going to come in in the middle of this game and I'm guarding Kyrie. And who cares, Kyrie? Here's the hand in your face. Oh, you hit the shot. I don't care. Can you imagine if he came out like that? We'd be ripping the dude to shreds. And Mike might have pulled his ass right back out. No. He came in. He stayed ready. Established himself immediately on the defensive end. Now, offensively, he didn't do next much of anything. He only played eight and a half minutes, so it's not like he was playing a lot, zero points, 0 of 3 from three point, or from the field, one assist, turned the ball over twice. So still concerns on the offensive end of the ball. I'm not going to make many judgments at all for eight and a half minutes played, but maybe you wish you saw a little bit more on the offensive end. But I'm, I'm here to give Davion Mitchell the praise for that first play and how he responded to three straight DNPs more than I am to, to gripe about those small volume offensive numbers. Tomorrow is the first back-to-back -back of the season for Sacramento, taking on the New Orleans Pelicans. And here's what I like going into that game. Sure, there's probably going to be some fatigue, but the good news is the Kings beat the Dallas Mavericks tonight, and they didn't have a heavy workload on any of their predominant players. All five starters. Sabonis played 34 minutes. Harrison Barnes played 34 minutes. Chris Murray 
and uh, and Chris Duarte, sorry, Keegan Murray and Chris Duarte, not his brother, uh, both played 32 minutes. De'Aaron Fox played the fewest minutes out of all the starters with 31 despite scoring 30 points. And then you had Malik Monk, who played the most minutes off of the bench with 18 minutes. To me, there's no reason to believe that the Sacramento Kings can't still play really well and their quality level of basketball, which includes high pace, getting up and down the floor, transition play. To me, maybe there's mild impacts at times and, and we might see. I don't know. It's the first time we're seeing a back-to-back with this team this season. So maybe that has more of an impact than I'm expecting. But at least going into that game, looking at the minutes played, I'm not overly concerned like, oh God, Savonis played 40 minutes. Oh God, De'Aaron Fox played 38 uh, you, the Kings might need to watch his minutes tomorrow or he might not be as fresh for the fourth quarter in a close game uh, as he would normally be. I'm not too worried about any of that. Of course, after that game tomorrow, I'll have a post-game uh, Locked on Kings podcast just like this one, so I hope you will join me for that. Share with me your thoughts on this Kings win. Six straight. How you feeling? Hey, it wasn't too long ago that I was in this ABC 10 studio talking about the Sacramento Kings, and the title of the podcast was freaking The Kings Are Broken. That, of course, was after the second Houston Rockets loss. De'Aaron Fox was not playing at the time, and the Kings looked like a shell of themselves offensively. Well, no surprise that the Kings with De'Aaron Fox are significantly better offensively. I don't know if we expected the Kings to be literally 25 to 26 points per game better than they have been, but let's just say... If De'Aaron Fox stays healthy for the remainder of the season, and, and for the most part, DeMondis Sabonis does too, Kings are in really, really, really good shape. This is going to be a fun, fun year. There are going to be lows as well. There are going to be certainly more highs over the horizon. I'm very excited about all of those. I want you to react to them. You can hit me up on Twitter at MattGeorgeSack. You can email me, MattGeorgeSports at gmail.com. Leave your thoughts in the YouTube comment section down below. If you could do me a huge favor really quick, we're looking to get more reviews on Apple Podcasts, or used to be iTunes, essentially. Go over there, hit five stars, and there's an area for you to leave a custom review. Please do that if you have the time. Just a line or two about why you like the podcast or why you'd encourage others to listen to the podcast or any feedback for the podcast that you have there. That helps get the podcast noticed more, and people go and look at that uh, and check that out more than you realize. So that would really, really help us out, just like you YouTube watchers. Uh, If you uh, comment, if you hit the notification bell, if you subscribe, that helps the Locked on Kings podcast get noticed more and more on YouTube as well. And it does wonders for me. You don't even understand, but you've been phenomenal for the podcast already this season. Can't wait to have it carry out throughout the remainder of the season. I appreciate your support so, so much. Can't wait to have you join me on tomorrow's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast. Until then, my name is Matt George. You've been listening to Locked on Kings, part of the Locked on Podcast Network.